Thank you for tuning in to the 191st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you for listening, wherever you are, however you may be listening, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, whatever podcasting app. Going to have a great show for all of you today. Going to have Nick Angstead on. He is the host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. We talked a lot about Luka Doncic, had a great interview, had a great conversation. Talked a little bit, too, about how close it was to Devin Booker, who was killing it in the bubble as the Suns, they went undefeated. How Devin Booker and Luka could potentially be in the same backcourt. So we talked about that, particularly Luka, as Luka is one of the bright stars in the NBA. So I hope all of you enjoy that interview, and we're going to have that kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We have a very special guest with us today, Nick Angstead. He covers the Dallas Mavericks and does the Locked on uh, Mavericks podcast. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing pretty good. Mavericks, uh, they're going to play the Phoenix Suns today for their last bubble game and then going into the playoffs playing the Clippers. So we'll see how that goes. But I can't complain. I get to watch NBA basketball every day. Now, I have to really ask you this, right? And you just mentioned the Phoenix Suns, and this is interesting. Do you think that the Phoenix Suns have any regret about the fact that they could have had Devin Booker and Luka Doncic on the same team? Could you imagine both those guys in the backcourt together? I mean, you have to, right? I mean, you have to regret it. DeAndre Ayton has been pretty good. And of the players who were picked above Luka, so it was, you know, it was DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, and then Trey Young technically was picked above Luka. Uh... I mean, of those four, I think they tri- the, the Hawks got the best of those three with Trey Young, and then it was Aiden, and then Bagley's obviously the worst pick. So they have the, the second least amount of regret, but it's definitely some regret, right? Like you can still have you can still have Luca and Devin Booker in the backcourt. I mean, that's just I mean, shut it down at that point. But we'll see how DeAndre Aiden. He, he might take him a little bit longer to develop, and he might turn into a stud and a you know center you can play in the playoffs and all that, but. Kevin Booker and Luca, that's something else. But the crazy thing about that was the Suns at the time, their coach was Igor Koskov, and his, his, he coached Luca over in Serbia, and, or in uh, Slovenia, and Igor's firstborn son is named Luca. We were, we were convinced before all the draft process that they were definitely going to pick Luca no matter what. It's just, it was, it's just wild to me they still didn't pick him. Yeah, and also the crazy thing about it is like, having those two guys in the backcourt is like, Literally the modern day NBA, you have two guys that can either play point or shooting guard at the backcourt. They're both like six six, six seven. They're interchangeable. They can do so many things. Like to me, that is just like the perfect NBA backcourt. It's just it's just crazy that that did not happen, and they draft a big instead of having that. Yeah, the, the problem with that though is that you, it'd be pretty hard to, to build like a viable defense around those two guys, right? They're both okay. They're they're not completely, um, you know 
like defensive liabilities. They're they're almost to that point, right? Uh, but when they try, they can be okay. But to building a defense around that would be hard. But that's the number one offensive team in the NBA for the next you know forever. Nick, this is always my mentality. Figure it out. The coaching staff has to figure it out. <laughs> One out. <laughs> when you when you get horses like that, you got to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, coaches have gotten fired for figure it out for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I do also have X too because in that draft too, there was uh, Young up uh, uh, from from the Hawks. Uh, yeah, Trey Young. Yeah, yeah, Trey Young. Uh, and he was, and the whole thing was at Atlanta and Dallas. They had that trade. And right. obviously, Young kind of came on at the end of last year, right, and kind of pushed Luke a little bit for the Rookie of the Year. And then Young, and Luke is having a great MVP caliber season, but uh, Trey Young's been having a good season too. Uh, how do you think the Hawks remember that? Because I know people that are Hawks fans, and they're always like, you know, we're fine with Trey Young. But I'm like, are you really? Do you think that is more uh, justifiable at all, given how Trey Young has played? It's more justifiable than DeAndre Ayton, right? Like if you would rank the top three, the guy. Before Luca, Trey Young, you have the least amount of regret. You still have regret, right? Luca is still. I mean, the difference between Trey Young and Luca is, is pretty big still. Uh, Luca just did what he, you know, the guys have fairly similar, you know, statistical seasons, and Luca's team's going to the playoffs in the Western Conference, and Trey Young is, you know, the elite eight team in the Eastern Conference. Like he couldn't even get to where the the Wizards are, right? So uh, it, it, it's still a pretty big difference. You know, we talk about defensively, we talk about size, we talk about ability to score on different players and you know things like that so they still have regret but if you're a fan of the Hawks you have to talk yourself into that guy he's your guy now right you can't just have the you know the regret forever and never embrace your guy because he didn't pick the other guy it's just you have to embrace your guy at some point and then it's then certain fans they get you know okay now this is my guy I'm in his camp and I have to defend him no matter what and convince myself he's better than the other guy right uh, or else just fandom becomes you know wishful thinking and uh, you know, just fear of missing out, basically. Now, the really two interesting thing about this is during that whole draft, uh, p- people were talking about Luca, and, and you know, right, people were talking about Trey Young, people were talking about DeAndre Aiden, but I was always kind of like, why don't you draft Luca number one? Because my thing was always like, if this guy is the best player in Europe, he's the best player in the second best league in the world, right? Because I mean, it's kind of like, you can say DeAndre Aiden was the best player in college basketball, but college ba- I mean... There's probably G League teams. There's probably G League's teams that are better than NCAA basketball teams like Duke, Kentucky. Like the NCAA basketball, the quality's just different when you take apart the, the whole world in terms of basketball leagues. So I'm like, if this guy at 18 is the best player in that league, he's not even fully physically developed yet, and he's dominating guys that are fully physical developed. Why would you not have him? As a number one pick, that was always my thing. So, were you were you high on Luca? Did what was your opinion of him coming out in that draft? Yeah, yeah, we you know locked up on locked up Mavs. We did draft. I mean, that was a terrible Mavericks year. So we were doing draft pods up like in January that year. I think you know starting and since January, I had him number one on my you know wish list for the Mavericks. I was like, that is the number one guy, even ahead of Bagley, who was who Bagley was the best college basketball player by the way. It wasn't even eight. Uh, but yeah, Luca was, was number one for sure, and I, I, you can just tell that he's gonna if, if he hits his ceiling, which he's you know pretty much on on track for that right now. If he hits his ceiling, he's gonna be an incredible player. He's so smart, and he plays old now, right? He doesn't need the athleticism. He doesn't need the you know the quickness. He, he's able to get past guys like almost intellectually, right? Just making the right moves, the right timing, all that kind of stuff. And guys like that are the ones that. 
you know, if they can, if everything translates for them, they're going to be the, you know, the best version of a player to want, especially to build your team around. So, yeah, I was, I was super high on Luka. I thought that he was the number one pick. The Mavericks have been, you know, scouting him forever, and I think the Mavericks have, you know, done really well in getting these foreign guys that a lot of people don't, uh, are, are misunderstood, basically. Uh, the, the, the argument for not picking him was, was strange to me. It was a lot about athleticism. It was a lot about, oh, he's just not going to be able to hang with guys like this. He's not an efficient shooter, which, honestly, he's still not an efficient shooter. He's still, like, 30, 30% from three and not super great from the outside. But the things that he does, the threes that he takes are super tough, and the shots that he makes inside are, you know, you know make up for the fact that he's not that efficient of a shooter yet. And he still has room to grow and a place to, you know, to go. His potential to still, you know, realize, which is wild to me. But that was sort of the, the idea of not picking Luca is that, oh, man, maybe one of these guys has more potential. Because the, the super athletic springy guys, Marcus Bagley, guys like that, those are the ones where you're like, oh, man, I can see this becoming, you know, somebody like Zion, you know, dominating in the NBA. But you don't think of a technically sound guy like Luca, you know, dominating as much. And I guess there was a bias about European players. And maybe that's just where NBA front offices need to break out of the mold and their norms and things like that. So, but... Hey, I'm glad it worked out the way that it did because I was covering the Mavericks and I was really hoping Luca would be there. He's changed you know, a lot of people's careers so far. Yeah, that's really true. Maybe there kind of was a stereotype kind of about European players. But I just still find that more weird that the NBA wouldn't develop, you know, scouts in front office, they wouldn't develop more resources into that, you know, into the second best actual league. Like, you see how the Spurs, the Spurs are a team that kind of picks off of stuff like that, how they've gotten guys like Parker and Ginobili. So I, I guess maybe I wonder about that. But I, what I do want to ask you, right, so so Luka comes in, he's 21-8-6, and six, rookie of the year. Then he goes up another level, and he's basically 39-9. and nine. <laughs> That's basically what he is. So what do you think, how would you describe his jump? Were you surprised at his jump? biggest reason for that jump? The biggest reason was the, the Mavericks changed their you know, basically offensive, not playbook, but they changed their offensive focus where year one Luca was playing off the ball, Dennis Smith Jr. was handling the ball a lot, you had Harrison Barnes who was taking a lot of possessions and isoing a lot, he was decent at that but the, the best version of an offense for Luca was Luca with the ball and have you know, shooters all around him. And the Mavericks did that. They, they brought in Christoph Porzingis, which is wild that they were able to do that. They got him. They had, you know, Seth Curry on one side, Dorian 
Anthony Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. on the other side shooting threes. And then they had Dwight Powell as like a rim roller, which helped Luka to, you know, get some easy buckets and easy assists, you know, off of those pick and rolls. So they changed that. They put the ball in Luka's hands, really, which is what has been the big change. I mean, if you look at his usage percentage, you look at his field goal attempts, pretty much all up, even though his minutes are just about the same. And he played off the ball less. Like, we just really just put the ball in his hands more, which is really what has changed in the NBA. You know, the pace is up a little bit, but the pace has been, uh, you know, the same as it was, like, in the 80s and the 70s and just things like that. What's really changed is the fact that these superstars, like Luka, have the ball in their hands almost every single possession. LeBron is the same. James Harden is the same. Lillard's the same. You know, all these guys just have the ball so much and do everything because the best version of an NBA offense to have your best your best player, your best shooter, your best decision maker have the ball in their hands. And that's what the Mavericks basically did. They just put the ball in Luka's hands more, had him make more decisions, have him get more attempts, more passes, more touches. Just that, that increased everything. We got to see more of what Luka was. And then Luka did improve in certain areas. He was so much better inside, right? His ability to, you know, grab an offensive rebound and put back his own shot has, you know, improved, I think, his ability to get in the paint to score on little post moves or, you know, little uh, ball fakes and, you know, put the ball in the basket. His, um, I think his playmaking has improved from year to year because he has the ball in his hands more. He's able to make better decisions. And the shooting has been better this year, honestly, you know, more than last year. So that has helped him improve to improve as well. And I think defensively, I think he's uh, been put in a better position this year compared to last year. And I think he's been trying a little bit more, which I think is most of, most of defense for Luka is going to be effort, right? He's not going to be a super uh, you know great defender, but if he puts the effort in, then he's going to show improvement on that end, and so I think that's part of it. And if you look, if you look at um, you know some of his grades on, on a site like Basketball Index or something like that, he's improved on the inside, he's improved one on one, and he's improved defensively. Right? Those are the those are three big areas that you know he's improved. Luca's field goal percentage inside, like the restricted area or close to the basket, is almost up there with Giannis, which is wild to think about because Giannis is a seven footer, but it's like seventy percent or something up there. It's, it's super high. So when he gets deep inside the paint, he gets inside towards the rim, he's going to score. And that, or he's going to dish it to somebody else, and they're going to score. And that's what's made this Mavericks offense one of the best in NBA history. Now, and you kind of mentioned this, how good Luca was and how good he is at such a young age. Second year, 20-year-old uh, season, now he's 21. And a lot of people have been talking about, like, right, was his second year, is it better than LeBron's? How would you compare those? Do you think he was better? Like, this version of Luca's second year is better than LeBron's second year with the Cleveland Cavaliers? Uh, I, I guess so. I, I guess he would be better. They're just such different players, right? They're both, like, the big playmaker-type guy, but Luca's more of a know, shifty, you know, getting to the paint kind of guy. LeBron was just the, I'm a duck all over you. Uh, if you look at their stats, like, but this year, you, you know, Luka's 29-9-9. LeBron was 27-7-7. But LeBron played 42 minutes a game that year, and he only took, like, four threes a game. It was just such a different game back then. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you know, also try to think of, like, you know, the Cleveland team LeBron is on, they were like a 500 team, and they made the playoffs, and uh, or did they make the playoffs that year? No, I don't think they did. They didn't. Yeah, they, they didn't make the playoffs in the East that year. Yeah, so I don't know if you can compare them like that. I think Luka's probably better than LeBron in his second year, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a toss-up since they're so different. 
And I think that kind of just shows where, like, the level Luke is at, right? Because my thing is always, like, if Luka never gets, like, and you kind of mentioned this is rookie year. Like, he's already a bubble all-star. Like, if Luka never got better after his first year, that's better than most players will ever be, right? Right, right, right now, the level, right now, the level he's at, he's basically MVP candidate, right? He, he, so if he never gets better than he is right now, he, he's better than what, 95% of the league? So I, I want to know, how do you think he can make another jump? Like, where, where do you think his peak lands and kind of in the NBA hierarchy in the league? Do you think he can be the best player in the league? ranks in the league right now as far as best players yeah if i were to say is he probably not top five maybe on the outside of top five i don't know where do you think he ranks it's hard because guys like steph curry and kevin Durant yeah not not, right? not 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 counting those guys i would say not counting those guys because they're not playing so best players like going into playoffs yeah uh so i think you still put Kawhi, lebron Giannis, and maybe harden all above him and then that's it right i, I can't think of any you wouldn't put Anthony Davis ahead of him, like Westbrook. You wouldn't put ahead of him. Uh, nobody on the Raptors. You start thinking. You start looking around. It's, I don't think. I think. Would you take Embiid? Lucas, no, Embiid is. I mean, Embiid's so inconsistent, and you just you can't trust him in like a you know a tight game like this. But uh, yeah, I think Lillard. Him and Lillard are right now. They're in conversation. Lillard's just been so. Cool oh yeah, that's so yeah. Far. And do you think he should have been that third guy in the uh, finalist for the MVP? Because it was Harden. Uh, we all knew it was probably going to be LeBron and Giannis. And it ended up being Harden for the third guy. Do you think Lucas should have been that guy? Or, or do you think it was fair to have Harden ahead of him? I think Lucas should have been third. I mean, if you look at the difference between the team success between the Rockets and the Mavericks, I don't think that was enough to give Harden the edge over Luka. And then if you look at Luka, um, his 
supporting cast, right? I mean, I think you would pick almost all the Rockets above the supporting cast. Luka had besides maybe Porzingis, right? I mean, the difference between that uh, was, was so big that I think that Luka should have gotten some more look for MVP. Uh, where Luka struggles also, and this goes back to the question about where he can get better, is in the clutch, right? In clutch games, Luka was really good his first year, his rookie year, and then he was really bad this year. I mean, just awful in clutch games. And that's where he also has to, to get better. If he was just, I don't know, like 50% better in clutch games, he hit like 50% more shots, then I think we're talking about him as, you know, this team would have won like 50 games this year. It just dropped so many of those clutch games. So if he was better in that area, then I think we'd be having a, a bigger conversation about why Luka wasn't in, you know, top five. I think there's, there'd be no choice but to put him in there. But that, that's one of the things that held him back. So when you compare him to certain players, I, I've heard people mention Larry Bird. I've also heard people mention Harden. Do you? Th- how much does he remind you of either of those two guys? And is there somebody else that you think of, like when you think who his game kind of translates to? Yeah, well, I mean, the Larry Bird comparison, it helps that he's a white guy, right? I, I, I think, yeah, I think that's a little bit lazy. <laughs> I, I do think that. That's gonna, but he, he does have, you know, Larry and Lucas had, you know, the, the passing ability. Like, if, if Larry Bird played in today's NBA, he would be playing like how Luca did, right? He'd have the ball in his hands all the time. He'd be the one making the decisions all the time. He'd be, you know, he'd probably average double digit assists. He was just such a good passer and such a crafty passer in the way that he, you know, hit certain angles and passed behind his head and things like that. You saw, you probably saw Luca between the legs, you know, pick and roll, like in the clutch against Giannis and Middleton, you know, between the legs pass that he did to Maxi. Uh, stuff like that is what Larry Bird used to do a lot. Larry Bird is such a different level of a shot maker, right? He, he would go out there and tell people, all right, I'm going to go. He would tell his defender, I'm going to go right here to this spot. He would point to it on the floor, and I'm going to hit this jumper in your face. And he would just go out there and do it. And Luca's not there for sure. I don't think he's on that level yet. And that's the next level for Luca as well, to become just such a better shot maker, more efficient and all that. And so I think that's the difference between Luca and Larry Bird. Uh, with Luca and Harden, Harden is just such an ISO player, and Luca's not at that level yet. Harden is a lot stronger than Luca. He can get to a spot on the floor a little bit better than Luca can. Uh, his step back is, you know, better. His three point efficiency is better. Harden's is also so much older than Luca right now, right? I mean, he's ten years older than, than Luca. If you look at where Harden was when he was Luca's age, he was coming off the bench for the, the Thunder, averaging like twelve points a game. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy to think about how good Luca is so early. Yeah, and. I want to know, do you think part of the reason why he's been so good early, right? Because I, I guess in Europe it's different kind of from the American system in sports. Like, you start playing Little League, you you play AAU, you play, uh, like, your middle school league, then you play JV or freshman, and then you play varsity, and all this is kind of centered around age range most of the time. So you're playing with people relatively your same, even in college, right? Three to four years around the same age. You're, you're playing with people for your same age, really, till you get professionally for the most part. And do you think part of it why Luca was so good early is because maybe, and sometimes I wonder this is because, right, when did he start playing professional basketball? Like when he was 16, 15, 14, 14, 15, something like that? Yeah, yeah there's pictures of him playing, you know, in those, some of those preseason games where you have, you know, Real Madrid and Macaulay Tel Aviv, like overseas teams coming and playing NBA teams. There's pictures of him and Westbrook, like staying next to each other where Luca is 16 and Westbrook is, you know, like 24 or something, <laughs> something yeah, like that. It's yeah, wild yeah. to see. Yeah, so it's like at 16, he's playing with guys that are 30 years old, playing with guys that are way older, uh, 
bigger, faster, stronger. So he, he's kind of having that. You know, as people always say, like why people people say why they're the youngest brother is always the best is because they always play with their older brothers like just having that reps of playing against you know that tougher competition guys that are more physical bigger fast stronger you think that's part of the reason why he's able to come into the nba and able to handle the adjustment while we see some rookie struggle because lots of guys aren't good people forget kobe Bryant, as great as he was he was averaging eight points when he was a rookie harden you you mentioned harden was coming off the bench when he was a younger player like most guys don't come in and, and are just like they're that good too I kind of think of and maybe part of that's part of the fact that he played in Europe and he was playing against older guys he's just so confident you kind of mentioned the Larry Bird comparison that's kind of always thing like Larry Bird was super confident like that's kind of part of it like every time I watch Luke and you kind of mentioned like he'll just hit some step back threes and they'll just be like yeah like like I feel like Luca always believes like he's the best player on the court like I think he can be on the court with a guy like Giannis and he's like I'm at this level like you kind of feel that his best attribute is like the one thing that's really special about him
know, in transition or anything like that. You just see his ability to find the open man and for find the open space on the floor, find the angle that'll get him to a spot. And then, you know, the finishing is, is kind of on a, a lower tier than, than that. I just think his ability to read the NBA, to play, you know, play basketball, basically, right? Like, that's, that's what it is, to be able to read a situation and then adapt to it or adjust to it or to, uh, you know, to attack it in the, most, the best way possible. That, that's his, his best skill, and that's why he's been so good. And as a guy that, you know, obviously follow the Mavericks a lot, what's been your favorite Luka moment? Man, he had... I think it was. I don't think it was. I think it was last year. He had an 11-0 run by himself against the Rockets, and he, they came back and won that game. It was just such an incredible. It was one of those moments where you go, "Holy crap! This guy is so good. He can just take this team, put it on his back, and win himself as a rookie." Uh, that was an incredible, incredible moment, and uh, that's still, it's still one of my favorites. He's had a whole bunch though. I mean, there's been fun plays like the you know the Rising Stars game where. You know, Trey Young said, "Don't do it, don't do it." And Luca threw a half-court shot at, at the buzzer at halftime, and he made it. Uh, that was a super fun play, a fun moment. Um, you know, and then we'll we'll see in the playoffs. I'm, I'm hoping, expecting to have you know a couple playoff wins, hopefully at least one, and uh, maybe that'll get up there too. But there's just been, there's some been some incredible moments. And you kind of mentioned the playoffs. They're at the seventh seed. The Clippers are at the two. That's all locked up now, I believe. So they're going to play. They're going to play the the Clippers. How, how do you foresee that series going? That's going to be tough. That's, that's probably the team that the Mavericks match up with the worst. They just, I mean, those, those two wings and Kawhi and Paul George give them so much trouble. And then when they put so much energy, like defensive energy against those two guys, you have what happened in the, the game the Mavericks playing against the Clippers in the bubble where you have even got Zubac like scoring, you know, 21 and 15. <laughs> Uh, just being able to, to feed off of those guys. And then bring in Lou Williams and Montrose Harrell off the bench. Like, that team just does not stop. Right? Like, you just can't give an inch to that team or they'll just take it a mile. Uh, so I'm, I'm expecting, I'm hoping that Porzingis can really step into and continue his play that he's had during the bubble, where he went from like 18 points a game during the regular season to 30 points a game in the bubble. And if he can continue to do that, which he did score 30 points last night for the Clippers, if he can continue to do that, carry the second unit, and then Luca can come in and make some crazy plays and, you know, hopefully carry them, you know, down the stretch. I'm hoping for a couple wins, but, man, this Clippers team is just a juggernaut. But we are waiting for this Clippers team to really step up and become the team that they say that they are and that everyone thinks that they are, right? We haven't really seen them put it all together and, you know, dominate over like a seven game stretch or even like, you know, a 10 game stretch or whatever. So let's see what this Clippers team all put together and let's see what they can actually be. And hopefully the Mavericks win a couple games. If they, if they win, I'd be, I'd be so surprised if the Mavericks win the series. That's, well, that's kind of where it is. And you kind of mentioned this too, to go to the Clippers, like they haven't really played their full team this whole year. Like, <laughs> I mean, either Kawhi's been out, Paul George's out to begin the year. Like they were at even like Montrezl Harrell. I don't think he's played a game yet. Like like Lou Williams had the wing thing, right? Like they've kind of been mixing and matching all year. They haven't really had their full team for like a prolonged stretch. So maybe do you think that could play a role in kind of helping the Mavs? Like the Mavs know their identity. They know who they are and they know what they need to do. Like necessarily the Clippers, they're kind of just like this is the first time they're actually going to be whole. Yeah, the thing is though, Clippers are just still so good, right? The, the team that they have around Paul George. Why? Even if it doesn't have those other guys, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, 
Montrezl Harrell and all all signs are pointing those guys are all going to play. Uh, even without those guys, it's still such a good team. I mean, Kawhi is just a, a killer. He's probably the best player in the NBA right now. That he can just he can beat him himself, no matter who's around him. So that's uh that's dumb. It could help the Mavericks where you know if all those guys try to play and they all try to get their own and they all you know are trying to figure it out together and they you know defer to each other a little bit too much and they you know are you know, passive on the plays. It could help the Mavs pick up a couple games early, but I just don't see over a seven game series that team dropping four games. It's just they're so tough. Okay, so you think Kawhi is the best player in the NBA? I think so. I just think that his, there's a level of playmaking he doesn't have that LeBron and Giannis both, both don't have, but I would rather have Kawhi's shot-making ability than that playmaking you know, at this point. And then just defensively, he's you know, been defensive player of the year twice, and he's still you know up there as one of the best defensive players. So bringing two ways to be able to make shots, and he's proven it. You know, He's won two finals MVP, and he's carried a team through the playoffs, and he's, I think he's the best player. I would actually agree with you. I, I think Kawhi, I would take Kawhi both over uh, Giannis and LeBron, even though they're both really freaking good. I think there's actually a pretty clear tier with those three. I think you can't go either wrong with any of those three guys at the top. But what I would ask you is this, right? So you kind of mentioned Porzingis, and if they're going to match up against the Clippers, Porzingis needs to play really well. You mentioned he scored 30 points. Like, they're going to need that from him. So I, I just kind of want to know, do you think Porzingis is that guy, though? Do you think he can be that true second option the Mavericks need? Because sometimes I kind of go back and forth. Like, I think everybody thinks Luka can be the best player on a championship team. Can Is Porzingis good enough to where he can be the second best player on a championship team? Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. He, I mean, you got to remember, with him, he just turned 25. <laughs> he's not, he's just entering his prime right now. And He's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with trying to figure out how to be the second option on a team for the first time. I mean, he played with Melo. So with Melo, you're not really the second option. You're like the afterthought option. So I guess he has to figure out how to play with somebody like Luca, And he's the best player he's ever played with. So uh, I think that took a little while to figure out. But we've seen Porzingis. His ability to hit shots. And when he, you know, gets to a level where he's hitting the three consistently, he's hitting that mid-range turnaround, like, uh, pull-up jumper, if he can hit that consistently, which he has been in the bubble so far, he's just a different level of shot maker. And then also he adds the you know rim protection element. So you can play him pretty much against anybody, and he can stay on, he's going to stay on the floor because you're not going to take him off. You're not going to take him off because of free throws, right? He's going to hit his free throws. He's better than Lucas. He's also can spread the floor and stretch the floor. So he's going to take out guys like Gobert, Stephen Adams. Uh, he's going to take some of those guys out of certain games, and then. He can score in the post on turnarounds and pull-ups, and he can just rise up over smaller defenders. I mean, it's just a matchup nightmare for a lot of guys and a lot of teams. And so I think he can be that guy. I think that, you know, he has to improve in certain areas. It, you know, his defense on, you know, perimeter guys has been really bad, especially against, you know, Damian Lillard in that Blazers game. Just he got, I, mean, I think he got scored on like four or five times when Dame went off for 61. But that has to improve, but I think he can get to that level. And, you know, a lot of, these, a lot of guys, you know, when you're talking about championship-level teams, they're not there until they're, like, 27 or 30, right? I mean, uh, Kawhi, is, what is he, he's, like, 29 or 30 right now. Harden is up in his 30s. LeBron, uh, it took LeBron forever to get to, you know, uh, a place where he was actually, you know, a finals every single year team. Uh, I think he was. Well, he was like 27, when he, 26 when he went for the first time with the Heat, and then 27. Yeah, he was like in his eighth year. Yeah, so that's, that's like three 
years away from Porzingis and, and you know, like seven years away for Luca. <laughs> it's wild to think about that, but yeah, they'll get there, and I think Porzingis can be that second guy. So, do you think that the Mavericks need another piece, or you think it's more so that they just need their young guys like Luca and Porzingis just to develop organically? No, they, they need another guy. I think they need another they need another shot creator type guy. They need um, you know we've we've talked about on Lockdown Mavs pod. We talked about like a Drew Holiday or like a you know maybe Bradley Beal or uh, Victor Oladipo or, or somebody like that where um, you know like Drew Holiday and Victor Oladipo you need a guy to be defensive minded that can take the best guard or the best wing on another team and they can also create their own shot create some shots for others you know on the other end I, I think that's the, the big difference between this Mavericks team the way that they're constructed and then what's going to be a championship level team so if they can find a player like that then I think that's just a Completely different level. I think that's when you start talking about this Mavericks team as a championship contender. And is Luca the fan favorite in Dallas? Is he the most popular athlete in Dallas? Man, it's tough. Uh, he's probably the most popular current athlete. However, I don't know if he's the most popular current athlete. I think he's probably the current So, so you think Dirk Dirk is more beloved than like eight men, uh, Emmett, uh, Michael Irvin? Do you think he's more popular than those guys? And I that- think so. I think living, living in Dallas for a while, uh, you know, just seeing you know people wearing the jerseys, seeing people talk about Dirk. I mean, he's he's more beloved than those guys, I think, which is wild to think about. But it speaks to the level of Dirk as a player, and then it also speaks to the level of, of Dirk as a human and as a person that reached out to community has done a lot of things for that place and just carried himself in such a way where he gave up money to play on the Mavericks. You know, he, he probably gave up like 40 to $50 million to stay on the Mavericks and to help them get, you know, other pieces. And so that sacrifice speaks a lot to fans. Um, he does certain things like the Dirk, uh, like charity, like celebrity baseball game every year. And fans love that. And Dirk was just, you know, Dirk's an awesome guy. I feel like we talk about, every time we talk about Dirk, I go into this soliloquy about why Dirk is awesome. Uh, but I think that the the, uh, the gospel of Dirk continues to be preached. <laughs> it needs to be preached and continue to be talked about because he's just loved so much in Dallas. And, uh, yeah, I think he's more popular than, than, the, than the Cowboys, which is wild to say, but I just think he was and still is. And for sure, Luka's the most popular right now. So Luka's more popular than, like, Dak or Zeke or anybody like that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that's interesting. Now, my last question for you is, what's been the thing that you, you found most interesting about the bubble so far? The most interesting thing is, man, we, have, we really haven't seen a lot of injuries, which I think has been really positive. I was, I was expecting a lot of you know, devastating injuries coming into the bubble, but I think that teams have ramped up their players well enough that maybe the playoffs will see it, but I've been actually surprised that we haven't seen a lot of guys like, oh, this guy tore his knee out for the year. You know, We've seen a couple things where guys have missed time here and there. We saw, I think we saw Rondo miss you know, a bunch of games because of that, but there hasn't been a lot of that. I've actually been surprised about that. Well, Nick, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, I want to thank Nick Angstead for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 191st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.